Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning back to the Alma Mac here on 93.3 CFMU. I'm your host, Severa West, a PhD candidate here at McMaster. But you know what? That's enough about me. Because as you know, every episode, every Thursday, we invite a McMaster graduate student to talk about their research, their graduate student journey, and of course, the things they enjoy doing outside of the academic environment. And today's episode is no different. So on today's episode of the Alma Mac, we welcome Malinka, who is a third year PhD student in the uh, Department of Material Sciences and Engineering under the Faculty of Engineering. How are you doing today, Malinka? Hello. It's good. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for calling me here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. And it was a nice chat that we were having too uh, before the program started. Uh, Malinka, before we dive into your research, I'm actually wondering if you can speak a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Oh, well, that's quite complicated story. I would say more long story. Well, I finished my undergrad at University of Montenegro, where I'm actually coming from, small country. And I did my master in South Korea. So uh, both actually my undergrad and master are in physics. And then uh, somewhere during my master, I decided that I want to go more about the material science, precisely nanotechnology. So, yep, I applied for material science and here I am. Here you are. Here you are. I'm curious, what attracted you to South Korea? Uh, Well, I'm a big fan of Korean tradition, culture, food, which is most important, Uh, language. So, yeah, I I like, I uh, watched a lot of Korean dramas. Uh, Music is absolutely amazing. So, yeah, these are all factors that led me to South Korea. (laughs) Nice. And what attracted you to Canada or even McMaster to do your PhD work here? Uh, Well, science, actually. I found incredible uh, professor, my current supervisor, and his research is absolutely incredible. And basically, I wanted to go in nanotechnology from the physics, so I wanted to be more specialized in what I'm doing. And yep, I found my professor and Canada is a beautiful country, beautiful nature, kind people, Yeah, perfect. Love it. Love it. And um, I'm happy to have you here on the show. Uh, Thanks for talking a little bit about um, how you got to McMaster. And uh, a little preview of your research, too. You're talking about nanotechnology from a physics perspective. So can you tell us a little bit more about your research? Uh, Well, a general term I would use uh, is plasmonics. So what I'm actually doing is... um, uh, getting new materials or investigating new materials that can have this plasmonic behavior. But having knowledge about plasmonics means that we can actually uh, get control of the light of the materials on uh, nanoscale, even on atomic scale, with electron microscopy. So the main point is investigation of these plasmonic materials with electron microscopy. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Main point is actually that usually when people say plasmonic materials, they mean on metals because metals have a bunch of a lot of free electrons that can move around. So they are perfect. But then again, they degrade really fast. They have a low efficiency. 
they're expensive. So, you know, people like today, where is the silicon semiconductor industry in development, like people tend to find new materials where can they can get the same thing as metal, metal materials, but trying to adjust a bit of that and that and trying to make better semiconductor but would be a kind of not I won't say like cheaper, but more affordable, more efficient, long living semiconductor. So yeah, that's interesting. Trying to capitalize on these plasmonic properties. Um yep. Let's let's take a step back, though, Malinka, if I can ask, because uh, as I mentioned, we were chatting a little bit before the show started. And uh, uh, when I was learning more about your research, I was like, plasmons, I do not know what that is. So can you tell us a little bit um, maybe what a plasmon is or what you mean by plasmonic properties? So basically, when you uh, irradiate, metal, let's say, material, or in this case, metal with uh, light, or with, uh, in this case, electron microscopy, so with fast electrons, right? Uh, you're producing something. In general, you're producing waves or oscillations. So basically, your electrons are starting to oscillate between your material and the electric. The electric, in this case, can mean vacuum or any environment that your material is. In this case, in, when you put your material in microscope, like around your sample, everything is vacuum, right? So you have this oscillation of electrons on the surface of your materials. Like if these electrons can travel uh, also inside your material, that means like you have bulk plasmon. So plasmonics in general, you can define as collective oscillations of electrons in your material. And then again, like if you have some uh, boundaries like uh, put on your materials from one side and another, you can create resonance, which means that it will resonate from point A to point B. And if you don't have anything, like it will start to oscillate, but it won't kind of oscillate like sinusoidal wave because you will have, of course, some damping. There are a lot of factors that can actually affect this oscillation. So it will kind of start to attenuate in the exponential curve. Okay, interesting. And I know earlier you were talking about, um, you know, exploring different types of metal, uh, how there's been a boom in the silicon um, industry. But initially, you know, you're also mentioning um, metals like uh, uh, copper or gold, how they might lose electrons very quickly. Yes, so usually copper is not used as a potential material because it's really fast degrading. Uh, silver and gold are usually used. Uh, but then again, like the, this plasmonic damping is really fast. So if you want to deal later with this material, you need to be quick or fast. Uh, so uh, using semiconductors, kind of you can uh, dope them. Like you, you use, for example, semiconductors for the column three and you're doping them with the column four in periodic system of elements, right? So you're adding some electrons to your semiconductors in order to have a bunch of electrons in that, for example, if you have silicon and you want to add germanium on that, and you add as much as electrons of germanium that you can possibly get, so that material can behave as metallic. So there are a bunch of electrons. Then when you irradiate them with the electron microscope, they can oscillate freely. So, but basically inside that, there is again um, a bit deeper physics because metal and semiconductors are not the same thing. 
there is no band gap in metals. You have band gap in semiconductors. So while in metals, electron can uh, freely move from valence to um, conduction band, semiconductors, you have kind of empty space between them. So is it wide or short, like you can uh, see based on your characteristic of semiconductors? So basically, when you add electrons, your electrons are going from valence through the dead band and going to conductor, right? So you leave some empty state valence, and you need a lot of energy to give to your electrons to be able to overcome this barrier and actually start moving, right? Because if you don't have enough energy, then your electrons what move or will move really slowly or will not move fast enough. So you will have, you need a lot to dope. The another uh, thing is that you can alloy with other materials. For example, I'm working on germanium tin. Uh, so basically here you, because we are in material science department, you need to be careful about phase diagram. So uh, what here you do is the same thing as the doping. So alloying with the tin, you have a lot of free charge carriers that can give you exactly what you look uh, in metals. And like it's a better material, like it's not degrading, it's efficient, better. And can you uh, tell us how you study to know that these materials are better or not? You talked a little bit about electron microscopy. Yes. So basically, in electron microscopy, you can investigate your material. So uh, precisely, I'm using uh, STM, scanning transmission electron microscopy. So first, I before I actually go to this plasmonic behavior, I'm going to characterize what is the structure exactly of material. Uh, for this case, I'm working on nanowires. So they are kind of pencil shaped, right? So I'm trying to see what's their configuration, how the atoms are positioned in each other. Uh, are there any defects? Because usually in these kind of semiconductors, you have a lot of defects. Are there any bending on nanowires? So that's the first starting point. So if I see that incorporation, for example, of tin or germanium is good, and my atoms are exactly where they are because in the first time I do a bit of simulation to see what I'm going to expect. And then if I see something extraordinary, I proceed with the EELS. So EELS is technique, uh, energy electron loss spectrometry. Uh, so basically with EELS, we are irradiating the sample, in this case semiconductor, with the electrons and uh, looking for the lost energy, which uh, the name is literally energy electron loss spectroscopy. So we are looking for the lost energy of the material. So basically what electrons are losing energy, we can see are they behaving like plasmons? Mm. Do they have some oscillation? For example, the main feature is in eels is zero loss peak, ZLP, which uh, ZLP or whatever. But that's the actually are telling us that there is no energy lost basically between like when the electron irradiates sample, it's passed through it. Because transmission electron microscopy is that electron go to the sample, reach the sample and pass through it. So your sample needs to be extra thin, like 100 nanometers, mm -hmm. less than that, 50, perfect. So it needs to be extra thin. 
The next thing about eels is that the perfect uh, technique for plasmonic uh, discovery is it's localized. So exactly, at, for example, if I see some defect, I can see how the defect actually affects plasmonic behavior. The, the way that I put my electron probe directly on that defect and I see do I have some oscillation or not. So in eels, so I have counts and I have some energy loss in electron volts and I see some peaks. These peaks are actually telling me does my electrons lose energy or not? How is energy distributed? Actually, even not just the peak, their position on the X uh, axis, actually the, uh, the, how much they are wide actually can tell me about plasma lifetime. So if I have short, that means that there is a, a long uh, lifetime of plasmas. They are not damping really fast. If it's like huge, the vice versa, right? So basically this technique is uh, great for this kind of plasmonic behavior. Investigation, there are other also techniques, CL, cathode luminescence, uh, which is kind of good, but energy. So the point is uh, here we need best energy resolution. So in order to be able to see peaks divided, because usually if we don't have energy resolution, not good enough, we'll see convoluted peaks next to each other. So we won't be able to, to actually distinguish which plasmon is which, because usually you have main plasmon that's comes from the bulk, so from the inside of material, mm -hmm. and then you have multiple scatterings. So for example, you have on my nanovirus, usually I don't only have germanium tin, I have uh, carbon because my grid is on carbon. Mm. So carbon cop copper grid with a carbon film. So I have a lot of factors. So electrons are also touching this carbon grid, right? Passing through it. So I will have some multiple scattering. Uh, I will have other, like when you are cleaning your materials or if you are doing some other incorporation, like you will have uh, other materials, argon, for example, uh, copper again. Uh, so all this kind of can affect your multiple scatterings and your peaks in eels. So you need to blade. It's not just you are acquiring eel spectra and you're done you need to uh, do processing data. So there's a lot of time spent exactly on this. So you have to use uh, different um, the convolution methods. Richard Solusi, I like to mention this guy. Actually, these two guys. <laughs> and so to be able to see what's going on. And the problem is that it's not only plasmons, but phonons. So I'm not sure how much audience is familiar with the phonons. Phononic behavior, phononic properties are really famous today and most important thing like in today's research. So it's mm. not plasmonics again. Uh, so phonons is actually uh, vibrating of your lattice. So if you are hit your electrons to atomic lattice, because you see lattice in your microscope, your lattice will start to vibrate. And you will have this vibration. This vibration is collective vibration of your lattice, which is phonons. So we'll have start up, down, and in, in phonons you have, again, the different modes. But you will also be able in eels actually to see your phononic behavior then that way you can see how your material interact with the uh, uh, 
when light, in this case, I'm calling electron irradiation light, when it irradiates, how it behaves, is it lossy material, uh, how much time, what is the time range that uh, you need to lose these oscillations. So you can all gather this kind of information for eels and STEM, though. Fascinating. And like you mentioned, it seems like it's not just collecting the data, but a lot of data processing and cleaning yep, that goes correct. into it. So you found that with these heavily doped um, materials or these alloys that you were talking about, they exhibit these plasmonic properties and uh, I guess less degradation than the traditional metals like gold yes. or silver. Yeah. Uh, actually, there is an uh, experiment that uh, my colleague performed uh, with, uh, she called it like silver snowflake. So she basically used the silver on top of the other materials and try putting the electron microscope and to see what's going on. So, okay, she got some plasmonic response, some really nice peaks. But for example, after one week, she put a sample again and it was degraded. So mm. it was like... Uh, Literally, there is, I mean, there is still silver there, but not a clean surface. It's, it, it's really fast degraded, so it's, not, it's useless, again, to mm. use it. So what are some implications of your findings and your research in general? Uh, so with um, these semiconductors and their plasmonic behaviors, uh, their employment in silicon technology is fascinating. So today we have MOSFETs. Uh, metal oxide uh, right transistors uh, and having a lot of materials that actually can uh, be alloyed with them actually used with this technology is like bro because today every like almost like uh, communications and network everything will kind of switch from metal to semiconductors so basically, in the future, we will use uh, semiconductors. So, for example, the interesting case is uh, in defense uh, technology, kind of. So basically building small chips that can use in defense detectors, the rad radars, mm. uh, in solar cells, for example, right, uh, semiconductors. Uh, TVs like LEDs or LEDs, organic light emitting diodes, like... Uh, the really wide branch of semiconductors that uh, today are used. And yeah, we have still uh, solar panels, but they are kind of expensive, right? You can only see rich people are buying them, right? But with this advancing technology and more affordable materials, you can actually decrease that price, make them more efficient, like keep the light longer than it's like right now. Uh, and uh, What's the better than cheapest <laughs> instrumentation, right? Okay, so not only is it cheaper, it's more efficient, and this is where the field is moving exactly. towards. Exactly. For example, an interesting case in medicine, like um, recently I read that they are kind of using the particles uh, to inject in, for now, in the mouse, like in the cancer. First they inject the cancer in the mouse and then they inject particles. And basically, in the, with these particles, and when you irradiate them, like with the light, you can actually see how it's moving. And mm. it, when it's moving, passing the organs or inside, like you can see how it's hitting. Basically, something like bats are communicating with, uh, with the echolocation, right? 
So that's the kind of similar thing. You can see the waves are going forward and bunching on the cancer, and you can exactly see where the cancer cell is and take it out. Like, that's the really promising research. Fascinating. Fascinating. We're going to take a short break here on 93.3 CFMU, but make sure you stay tuned because we're going to keep learning a little bit more about Malinka and her research. Independent businesses need your patronage now more than ever. That's why CFMU comes back again with the Friends of CFMU card. Use the card to get discounts at many local businesses of all kinds. For more information, check out the footer Friends of CFMU at cfmu.ca. Use your card at James Street Bookseller, Moody's, Picks and Sticks, Records on Wheels, Relay Coffee Roasters, or Revolution Records. think research is being conducted in labs far, far away? Well, tune into the Alma Mac Thursdays from 12 to 12.30 p.m. where we interview McMaster graduate students about their research. You'll learn about important research that's happening right on campus. Learn about what the guests did before research, how they got involved in academia, and what kind of impact their research can have on you. The Alma Mac is covering it all from Thursday 12 to 12.30 p.m. on 93.3 CFMU. Redefining radio in your community. Feel overwhelmed when you read research papers? Think research is being conducted in labs far, far away? Well, tune into the Alma Mac Thursdays from 12 to 12.30 p.m. where we interview McMaster graduate students about their research. You'll learn about important research that's happening right on campus. Learn about what the guests did before research, how they got involved in academia, and what kind of impact their research can have on you. The Alamac is covering it all from Thursday 12 to 12.30 p.m. on 93.3 CFMU, redefining radio in your community. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning back to the Alamac here on 93.3 CFMU. On today's episode of the Alamac, I am joined by third-year PhD student Malinka from the Department of Materials Science and Engineering. Thanks again for coming on the show and talking about your really important research. And uh, we're near the end of the interview. And just like when we're reading the end of an academic paper, we get to the future directions or the next steps. So I'd love to pick your brain a little bit and ask you, what are your future directions or next steps with regards to your research? Well, as long as I uh, can find some use of uh, what I'm doing, actually, in these, uh, I don't want to say only materials, but this technique, because today yields is uh, not kind of favorable, but till now. Uh, so I'm trying to use and employ these all rich techniques in electromicroscopy to my research in full. So I know like there, there will be, I hope actually there will be some use of it one day, like if it can be manufactured uh, in some uh, and put in actually in rich use, right? And that will, I will be full satisfied. 
So I, I would know that uh, what I'm doing actually sometimes will be useful, will be helpful, will help in our lives. And, uh, you know, like using in robotics, for example, today, like robots really advanced, that would be delightful. So, yeah, putting in the use what I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the dream of every graduate student to see their research put into practice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And understanding, actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Um, so, Malenka, with just a few minutes left in the program, I would love to ask you what you enjoy doing outside of the lab. Uh, well, because most of the time and because of COVID, I'm actually stuck at home and working from home unless I need to go in the lab, right? So whenever I have free time, I go cycling. Obviously not now because there is a lot of snow, but like hiking and walking. Uh, apart from going to a public library and reading books. That's my favorite <laughs> hobby, yeah. Nice. Do you have any particular trails that you like to go on or it's just wherever your bike takes you? Uh, well, uh, I think last summer I went to uh, Brantford. So I found out that perfect trail, like I'm really fascinated by Hamilton bike trails. That's the first thing that I, I like when I came here. So uh, it offered a lot of bike trails. So that's the first bike trail that I hit. And then with the walking Princess Point, amazing. Like now I can cross the lake because it's safely frozen. But yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Did you also do those activities in South Korea or were there additional extracurriculars? Uh, South Korea, well, it's more accessible, I would say, with the buses, subways. Here it's not because you have a couple of buses in Hamilton you don't have subways right trams or such a thing in Korea like it's uh, amazing to to have this uh, really advanced public transportation where I can use and go to every point so I mm. uh, reached every point of South Korea not just Seoul uh, Busan Jeju Island like every single thing that I could reach you know because you are there so why not use every possibility that you can have right I love that. I love it. Well, thank you once again, Malinka, for coming on the Almamac and talking about your really important research. Thank you for inviting me and I hope I didn't confuse the audience. <laughs> no, it was, it was all great. It was all great. And uh, it will be podcasted anyway, so folks can re-listen and uh, take notes if they need to. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in every Thursday, 12 to 12.30 to hear more about our fellow McMaster graduate students and what they are doing right here on campus. Make sure you stay tuned because Get Lit is coming up next. Take care, everyone.